All too often, when people identify a goal they want to achieve, they leap straight into planning mode. <laughs> I get it. It's exciting. And you want to get started right away. Unfortunately, this can set you up for failure. In this episode, I'm going to share why taking the time to create a winning strategy will greatly improve your odds of success. This is Invincible Career, and I'm Larry Cornette. So I'm going to share another draft chapter from the book that I've been writing. And this one is about creating your winning strategies. A flawlessly executed plan will fail if the overarching strategy is flawed. So let me use a hypothetical situation with a fictional cafe. I'm going to name it Beanville <laughs> as an example. Beanville's strategy to win in a competitive marketplace was to offer the lowest price option to customers. So Beanville created a plan to acquire, create, and sell the lowest priced coffee products in town. That plan included all the details required to keep costs down, low cost, commercial real estate, sourcing the cheapest coffee beans, aggressively negotiating with those suppliers, keeping production costs down, hiring minimum wage employees, low cost packaging, all kinds of pricing and sales strategies. Unfortunately, Beanville's core strategy was flawed. They discovered that customers in town weren't so cost conscious that they were willing to sacrifice the quality of their coffee drinks just to save a little money. So, Beanville lost to its competitors, who delivered a better product. Even though they flawlessly executed the plans to support their lowest price strategy, they still failed. This is why choosing the right strategy matters so much and why it must happen before you go into planning mode. So let's take the time to create a winning strategy that will help you achieve your goals. Developing the right strategy must come before making the appropriate plans to support it. By the way, if you want to read this draft chapter, you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. This is book chapter, Creating Your Winning Strategies, issue 375. So I want to start and talk about strategy versus plan. People often confuse creating a strategy with making a plan. As Chris Kalinda succinctly points out, here are three critical differences between strategies and plans. Number one, a strategy faces outward while a plan faces inward. Number two, a strategy orients on factors you don't control while a plan focuses on what you do control. And number three, a strategy measures success while a plan measures performance. However, as I said, it's easy 
to slip right past strategic thinking into planning mode because those steps feel tangible and clear. You know, we'll do X, then Y, and then we'll finish with Z. Unfortunately, intense and detailed planning does not ensure success. A perfect plan won't save you if the underlying strategy is the wrong choice. So if you look back to your vision and mission in chapter four, and I shared that a few weeks ago, think of your vision as an inspirational flag planted on the horizon. That point, shrouded in misty clouds, is your ideal destination. That's where you want to be. Your mission is what you will do to make that vision become a reality. You know you need to move from where you are standing right now to that point on the horizon. And in chapter 7, which I shared maybe two weeks ago, you identified the goals you need to achieve to get there. You can think of those as waypoints along the path you choose. But you also know the journey will be complex, bumpy, and full of obstacles that will try to stop you. That's life. That's where your strategy comes into play. Your strategy is how you hypothesize you can navigate that mysterious landscape to follow your mission, achieve your goals, and reach that vision. So I want to play around with that metaphor for a little bit more, just to make the distinctions clear. Now, if your vision is to reach a specific mountain peak in the distance, you could choose one of the following strategies to get there and overcome the obstacles in your path. You could decide to float over the landscape in a hot air balloon and land on the mountain. You could fly in a small plane and parachute down to the mountain. You could take a boat down a river that leads to the mountain's base and then climb to the peak. You could ride a horse through the countryside to reach and ascend the mountain. Sounds a little bit like Lord of the Rings. Or you could hike the entire way to the mountain on foot and climb to the peak. Those are all valid strategies. But each one, as you can imagine, <laughs> has pros and cons. Eventually, you will choose the strategy you are best able, best able to employ. Hope will take you past all obstacles and has the greatest chance of success. Once you have selected a strategy, only then would you start creating a plan to set that strategy in motion. For example, you're going to need to acquire some funds, you have to purchase equipment and supplies, you're going to want to map the best route and account for travel speed, time, your waypoints, resupplying, all that kind of stuff. You may want to hire experts and guides. Probably going to want to acquire the necessary training skills and knowledge, especially depending on some of those strategies. <laughs> now, your strategy can't predict the weather, but your plan certainly can prepare for the worst. And you're probably going to create a plan B. So you're prepared if plan A fails. 
So if all that sounds a little goofy, a little too silly, let me share a personal example instead. I've had a long-term vision of living in a cozy little cabin in the mountains surrounded by a forest probably for most of my life. I think this dates back to my childhood. I spent decades with this image in my mind as I made my way through my childhood in Nebraska, graduate school in Texas, and a tech career in Silicon Valley. I knew where I eventually wanted to be and what I wanted my life to be like, but it seemed far, far away in the future. However, a little bit of a health scare woke me up several years ago, and I decided I shouldn't put my dream off forever. So I made it my mission to make that vision come true. We had to find a way to leave Silicon Valley and move closer to the mountains where we've always enjoyed spending time, summer, winter, hiking, skiing. We wanted to make it our new reality. I'm not the kind of person willing to shoot from the hip and hope things work out. (laughs) Never been that way. I have a family to support. Can't do that. So I I began exploring various strategies that could make a move possible. One strategy, and there's always multiple strategies, was to reduce our cost of living, to give us more flexibility in our income. Moving out of the Bay Area of California, which is incredibly expensive, and into a rural area was part of that strategy. Yet I still needed to make a living somehow. I am not independently wealthy. I did not make billions in the stock market. Um, I had spent decades working in tech, which is why we had moved to Silicon Valley in the first place. But how could I maintain my career in tech if we moved to a rural area far away from the heart of it all. Now, I should point out this all occurred several years before the pandemic and the changes it enabled for jobs like mine. This is a different time. I came up with a few possible strategies for making a living. One, I could stay in my current career and find a tech job in a city within commute distance from our new home. Second strategy, I could leave my career and find a non-tech nine to five job in our tiny town. There's a small town nearby. Or three, I could find a tech job with a company that would be okay with me mainly working remotely, but traveling to be in their home office probably every month or so. I could try to found another tech startup, which is what I did before, and locate partners and employees who would also be comfortable working remotely. Or the final strategy, I could leave my tech career and design a new business that fully supported my new lifestyle and enabled me to work remotely with customers and clients. Long story short, I evaluated all the strategies, what they would require, the fit with my desired lifestyle, and their likelihood of success. 
for one reason or another, the first four strategies didn't seem to have the full potential and flexibility that the last strategy did. So I finally, and only then, <laughs> went into planning mode to execute that strategy and put it in motion. And I'm happy to say it's been working well for the past few years. Strategy must come first. And you must have enough research, innovative thinking, and cleverness to select a winning strategy. Not all strategies will win. Then and only then can you plan to execute that strategy. Now I'm going to go into the details of the plan to build the Invincible You in a later chapter that I'll be sharing. But now let's focus on ensuring you are creating a strategy or strategies that will help you successfully navigate the competitive landscape of your professional and personal life. These are the strategies that will help you achieve your most audacious goals, which you identified in the previous chapter. But first, I'd like to share a meta-level strategy that will fundamentally shift how you think about your career and work. And I call that the business of you. I've talked about this before. As you may have noticed, you will be creating strategies within strategies. A high-level strategy to win and achieve your goals will often have numerous lower-level strategies to accomplish various sub-goals. Those were identified in Chapter 7, and those strategies can help you overcome the obstacles that you also identified. Treating your career like a business is one of those meta-level strategies that will sit above the specific strategy you will soon create to achieve your particular vision. But thinking like a business doesn't come naturally for many people, especially if you've been an employee your entire career and you don't plan on changing that. Why would you bother to think like an entrepreneur running a business? However, that's precisely how you should be thinking about your career. It is very much like a business with income streams, expenses, and quote, products and services. You know, that's you and the work you do that you sell to customers. In this case, the customer is an employer. This fundamental shift in my thinking changed how I viewed my career forever. I understood that the same strategies that help businesses succeed in a competitive marketplace could also be applied to my professional life. Branding, positioning, pricing, marketing, sales, all that stuff should all be a part of a successful career. And a business sells products. I call this the product of you, and I've talked about this before. Seeing yourself as a product that you sell to customers is another meta-level strategy that elevates you above the emotional turmoil of job searches and competing for promotions and getting ahead of work. It makes it a little less personal. And it is less personal. Business is business. Thinking this way is also the foundation of building a solopreneurial business based on who you are and what you do. Literally selling yourself. One of the fastest ways to define the product of you is to transform your current job description into a product description. 
How do you help your customer, you know, your employer? How do you help them succeed? What problems do you solve? Break everything down into the fundamental building blocks of what you do. But don't forget to capture your work that goes far beyond your simple job description. I think you'll discover that the product of you is more complex and valuable than you think. One surprising and exciting discovery is that these fundamental building blocks can be assembled in any number of ways to create variations of the product of you. In my long professional life, I've learned that intelligent, talented people can learn almost anything, do almost anything, and succeed at nearly anything. We are more flexible and malleable than we think. Once you realize this, a world of possibilities unfolds before you. You start to envision radically different strategies that leverage different facets of the product of you to achieve your goals and reach your vision. There are so many ways to get to where you want to be. And then you just need to determine which strategy will best support the life you want and decide how you want to build, package, promote, and sell it. You know, that's, do I want to be an employee and work for someone else or do I want to become an entrepreneur and sell what I do directly to customers and clients? And I'll get into those details in a later chapter. But first, let's talk more about strategy. So I want to share a few more strategies that can help you overcome the competition before identifying and focusing on your specific strategy to win. One is coming in the side door. I think you've probably noticed the masses are following the rules. The masses are also a little bit lazy, and I'm sorry, but it's true. The masses aren't that good at what they do. Again, I'm sorry, but that's the law of averages. If you look at a normal distribution of the population, everyone can't be excellent. That's just impossible. Only a few people stand out at the far ends of the distribution. Now, if you want to stand out competitively, if you want to win, and I assume you do, you can't do what everyone else is doing. Be creative and dare to be different. Ignore that massive line of people queued up behind the velvet rope facing a giant bouncer who won't let them into the club. And you can think of this as trying to get your dream job with your dream employer and everybody's lined up to get it. Slip right past the velvet rope, walk past the bouncer and down the dark alley to find that hidden door no one else knows about. Some rules are meant to be broken. If you want to win, some have to be broken. Another strategy is to leverage your network. I talk about this all the time. My first few jobs in tech, long, long ago, they happened because I knew someone who knew someone inside the club. I was able to leverage the power of my network. As young and green as it was, and not that large, it still helped me considerably. I doubt I would have landed those roles if I had followed the rules and waited at the end of the long line of students trying to get these jobs. 
Instead, my graduate advisor called his old student at IBM. I was sitting in his office and he said, hey, do you want to do an internship with a software company this summer? I was like, okay, sure. Because I was getting into software design. He literally just picked up his phone right then and there, called the student. And before I knew it, I was moving to San Jose and working for IBM. Now, about a year later, I think after I went back to start work, uh, my dissertation, a fellow graduate student introduced me to someone at Apple. So this student had done an internship at Apple and knew the managers there. And that networking connection opened the door to a summer internship for me. That internship, internship, (laughs) it went so well that my manager that I'd worked with there at Apple reached out later and asked me if I wanted to stay on as an employee. You know, at that time, working for Apple was my dream job. And so I, of course I said yes, but I still needed to formally fill out an application and apply, you know, do all the right things. And it just so happened that I was attending a conference later at the same time as a few of the hiring managers. And I think they had set up a suite to interview and take applications from students and cause they were trying to fill some roles. And I remember walking past this massive line of students queued up in the hall outside the Apple suite of the event. I mean, Apple's the kind of place that people would love to work. Huge line of students. And people were glaring at me. I remember they were looking at me like, what the heck are you doing? And they thought I was like cheating, jumping the line. Um, But I slipped past everyone. I walked inside the room and saw the hiring managers sitting there behind a table at the front. And they smiled and they said, hey, Larry. And they took my job application, my resume. And the reality was, it was a bit of a formality. I already knew they wanted to hire me. And they did. Every single job I've landed during my employed career, working for other people, came about due to connections in my network like this. And I don't share these stories to brag about how easy it was for me. I'm sharing them because this strategy is available to you too. And it will make things so much easier for you, just like it did for me. Networking is a powerful strategy that will facilitate everything you need to do to accomplish your goals. And I'm going to talk more about building a powerful network in a later chapter because it is so important. It is so essential. So I'm going to move past these general strategies, which I think can help anyone succeed with whatever they want to do in life. And I want to talk about more specific strategies that will help you reach the vision you have for your life. And one important thing to do is to align your personal and professional visions. In chapter four, you captured your long-term vision of an ideal future. You know, what is it that you most want for your life? What did you write down? If you listen to that episode, what did you write down? What is your personal vision? And you also defined your mission to make that vision come true. What did you decide your mission would be? And now it's time to align your personal and professional lives. We sometimes 
like to think we can draw a firm boundary between what we want in our personal lives and what we're trying to achieve in our professional lives. But it's so hard. It's so hard to split your energy and your focus between those two worlds. It's even more challenging if those two visions are somewhat at odds. So what happens? Well, what most people do is prioritize their professional vision and defer their personal vision. They push their dreams into the future and they hope they can return to them maybe after retirement. It doesn't work well. Sometimes it doesn't work out at all. As I shared earlier, I talked about this in a previous episode. A friend of mine delayed the pursuit of his personal vision, focused on his professional life. He was wildly successful, but passed away before he could embark on the journey to achieve his personal goals. I was doing much the same with my life. My personal vision was at odds with what was required to succeed with my professional vision. So I ignored my personal life goals for decades. And once I broke down the barriers between work and life, I was finally able to create a strategy for my professional life that supported the strategy for my personal life. Instead of working at odds with each other, they worked in harmony and let me live the life I want now right now, instead of decades in the future. So take a moment and capture your existing professional vision and mission. What have you been striving to achieve in your professional career right now? What are you trying to do? What has been your mission to make that come true? So what is your professional vision, your mission? What are your professional goals right now? Now comes the hard part. Are there synergies between your personal and professional visions or not? Are your personal and professional missions working in harmony or not? Are your goals aligned? And I find that it helps to write them down side by side and evaluate them together. And I put a table in this article. If you go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and take a look at this strategy article, It's a pretty simple table. You know, it has a column for personal, column for professional, and then rows for your vision, mission, and goals. And putting them down side by side like that can let you see if things are aligned. And if things are out of alignment, like mine were, how could you creatively adjust your visions and missions and those goals to focus all of your energy behind shared efforts to make them all come true. And like I said, my, in my case, my visions were at odds with each other. My goals conflicted. Many years ago, my professional goal was to become a C-level tech exec in Silicon Valley and earn enough money to comfortably support my family with you know, a reasonably enjoyable lifestyle. But along the way, I realized I could never be fully satisfied working for someone else and making their vision come true instead of mine. So I adjusted my goals to pursue building my own tech startup. Now that did enable me to become a founder and a CEO of a teeny tiny company, build a team and create products to pursue our shared vision. However, these professional pursuits were still at odds 
with my personal vision of living in that cozy cabin in the mountains surrounded by a forest. I was stuck in the Bay Area, fighting terrible traffic on congested freeways every day, which added up, as I've shared before, to 625 hours of my life every year on the freeway. And I didn't get a chance to enjoy very much of my limited free time. My career path had trapped me in an urban world far from the great outdoors. And that's just not who I am. I enjoy the city. I enjoy visiting the city. I've spent a lot of time in New York, lived briefly in Shanghai. We lived in Houston for many years. You know, the Bay Area is pretty large. It's got a lot of good stuff, but it, in my heart of hearts, in that long-term vision, I want to be in the great outdoors. I want to hike. I want to ski. I want to run on trails in the forest. As I mentioned, the health scare kind of woke me up. <laughs> was I going to defer my personal vision until it was too late? I just, I couldn't let that happen. So I went through this same exercise that I'm sharing with you of aligning my visions and goals to find some way to make them all come true. And you'll, ha- you'll find that you're going to have to challenge all assumptions for this exercise to work. This is hard. This is where you run into the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> when you run into keeping up with the Joneses, all that stuff, all these assumptions. And I, I had to ask myself, does my company have to be in Silicon Valley? Does it have to be a tech company? I'd always worked for a tech company. Did it have to be? Do I still need to work in a tech career? Sunk cost fallacy. What if I pivoted my career and did something very different? What could I create if I started my own business without the constraints I thought I had to work with? Where could I live? How would it change my life? And I had to get to the foundational level and say, what was the product of me? What solutions could I offer? Who needs it? Who would want it? What would a business of me look like? that sold that product. I deconstructed and reconstructed my visions to align them and then selected a strategy that I believed would support my mission to pursue the goal of making those visions come true. That's why I decided that if I wanted to live somewhere in the forest, far away from the big, big city, outside of Silicon Valley, I would need to create my own job and build a flexible business that let me work anywhere in the world, with anyone in the world. My new professional goal is to build this flexible, location-independent business, and it's fully and finally aligned with my personal goal to live wherever I choose. And this lifestyle was simply not possible with the old professional vision that chained me to a specific geographic location. So now it's your turn. What is a bold potential professional vision that might also enable your personal vision to come true? To come true now. What is that professional vision? And what is the professional mission associated with that vision? How could it potentially be more fully aligned with your personal mission? And given this new vision and mission, What professional goals do you want to pursue? What are your new professional goals? 
if you take this path. And then you have to move into the strategy phase. This is important to make goals become real. You have to craft some strategies that will support the pursuit of them. And remember, your strategy is how you navigate the competitive and challenging landscape to ensure the achievement of your tangible goals and that long-term vision. It will help you overcome obstacles, slip around barriers, remove blocks, and win in a competitive landscape. So what are some potential strategies to achieve your new goals? You should brainstorm several. Come up with as many as you can. And then you got to think about, well, of all those strategies, which one do you think might be your winning strategy? And there are some tests that you can use to identify the winner. I'm going to go into more detail about that in this chapter online. So if you go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com, you can read this article. It's book chapter, Creating Your Winning Strategies, issue 375. Because I know this episode is running a little bit long, so I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Um, Hopefully you found this helpful. Hopefully you find this book chapter useful in figuring out what you want to do with your life, personally and professionally, and the strategies you want to pursue to make it come true. If you want to learn more about Invincible Career and how I help people pursue their dreams like this, you can go to InvincibleCareer.com. I have a link in the header for the podcast, so you can pick your favorite podcast player if you want to listen to it somewhere else. I don't know where you're listening to this right now. And as always, I do appreciate ratings and reviews. You can do quick reviews on Spotify. I know you can go with uh, Apple iTunes or their podcast player and leave a rating review. It would really help and I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.